Welcome to Behind the Camera, a show dedicated to the producers, directors, technicians, and all the people who bring the images of sport to your television every night. I am your host, Uncle Jesse. On today's show, I welcome in Dave Trout. He's a graphics operator and director who lives in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on. So right now, we would all be playing a lot of baseball. I was looking at I got a notification today. I would have directed, uh, I should be directing today, actually, as well. I would have already done a series and doing my second series. So in the absence of baseball, let's talk baseball past. One of your interesting moments was the Carlos Zambrano no-hitter. What was that like in the truck? It was interesting. Um, I had just left my newscast directing job at a local affiliate here in Milwaukee about three months prior in June of 2008. And uh, in September, they moved the game to Milwaukee because of Hurricane Ike. It was supposed to be in Houston. So all of a sudden, Houston's the home team playing 90 miles from Chicago, which is the away team. So it quickly turned into almost a home game for the Cubs. Um, it was a two-game series, I remember. And quick through the crew together in the truck. It was crazy because about, I don't know, halfway through, we kind of it kind of dawns on you like, oh, nobody has gotten a hit yet. So now we start doing the whole clear the decks, get rid of all the promo, start planning for what happens. Um, my font coordinator at the time was Mark Brady, who now produces, and he was font coordinating the Cubs. And all of a sudden, about the early ninth inning, he goes, hey, by the way, um, I got to go and get Zambrano if he does this for an interview. So bottom of the ninth, you're going to be by yourself. Uh, okay on a show for WGN don't really know the layout. I'm just doing the one day help out thing and uh, okay, I'll just make it through. So in the truck, it was kind of crazy. And I grew up a Cubs fan. I grew up North of Chicago. So it was fun for me to be a part of all of a sudden Zambrano does it. Um, and we're trying to figure out where we go from here. And they're like, Hey, find me this. And I'm like, oh, I'm not entirely sure where this page is, but I'll find it. Hang on. <laughs> So a little bit of a scramble, but a fun scramble nonetheless. Yeah, I imagine that was a lot of fun. I mean, I haven't done a no-hitter myself. I've come really close, um, and I've always wanted to do it because I know that I can't imagine the truck energy. It's got to be kind of puckered up. We've, I think I've made it into maybe the eighth, and I know it's at that point, every replay, every I mean, everyone's definitely on edge. Yeah, yeah, it definitely, yeah, you get that sense of, okay, this is now – a higher version of a game that's just that's eh, baseball but now it's got that that level up and you're kind of okay no mistakes keep it simple try to figure out where you're going to go what do you need yeah and having just moved into the full-time freelance market it was kind of uh it was kind of a different pace for me but it was good it was a good kind of i don't know baptism so to speak and then the next day ted lilly throws almost another no hitter and goes into the seventh, if I remember right. And so, you know, and I was working for Houston that day, we kind of swapped crews just to kind of make everybody get some work. So another baseball moment in your career is you got to meet one of your heroes, uh, Vin Scully. I I've had a pleasure to meet him. He's amazing. He's an amazing guy. So what was that experience like for you? It was, it was sort of surreal. Um, I've been out to the you know Dodger Stadium, do baseball games out there, and kind of walk by the booth and poke my head in, like, "Hey, there's Vin Scully." Um, but you kind of know that he kind of likes to do his own thing and leave him alone, so to speak. So you don't really, you just kind of look and 
all right, that's kind of cool, Vince Scully. And you know the voice. The voice is so iconic. It was his last season before he retired. And so all the visiting crews, they would ask us, you guys want to meet Vince Scully? And of course, I'm, I'm absolutely, I want to be in on that. Throw me in. So we went upstairs. Um, about four of us from the crew walked in and he gladly said hello to everybody, took pictures with everybody. And the best part was... Um, they tell him your name, whatever. He's like, oh, hey, Dave, nice to meet you. And it's that Vin Scully Dodger baseball yes, voice. It's like, can we record that somewhere so I can have that? That was probably the best thing. And he's the nicest guy. Um, and, you know, how are you? What do you do? Oh, that's great. How's Milwaukee? Couldn't be nicer. Just wanted to know more about you. And yet I'm sitting here watching Vin Scully, who... You know, I grew up watching games on the weekend, the national game or whatever like that, and hearing the voice. It was amazing. It's one of, you know, definitely a highlight of the career. Yeah, he's definitely a genuine guy. I mean, everything you see on television, he's just the nicest guy, nicest person you'll ever meet. Um, and it was a pleasure meeting him as well. I had the same experience. We do games all the time in LA because we're the Diamondbacks. And so, but yeah, that, that last year, everybody, he was so gracious. He let everybody in the booth come meet him and just, just wonderful, wonderful guy. So switching to another sport that I really love is hockey. Now, you're a Chicago boy, grew up in Chicago. Yeah. You got to do a Blackhawks game in 2010 in early in your freelance career. What was that experience like for you? It was awesome um, because growing up, you know, Blackhawks were kind of okay growing up. And then the late 2000s, they kind of took off once they were, you know, they got back on TV. You know, you got Kane and Taves coming up. And it just kind of took off. And then in 2010, they win the Stanley Cup in the mystery puck of game six. And nobody knows it winning except Kaner. Then that fall, the season starts up in October. And I'm working for the Red Wings. And they're in Chicago. Call me up, have me come down and work for them. And it's the home opener. So it's the first time on Chicago ice that the Cup is there. Uh, they raise the banner. And so I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. I'll get to watch it from the truck. Well, my coordinator, um, Kelly Wormeister, is like, hey, we're not doing anything. We're covering, we're taking the home show feed of the ceremony, so we're not doing anything for a while. Go up to the concourse and watch the ceremony. I'm like, really? She's like, yeah, just come back during the anthem. So I hustle up there, run up. I, I get a chance to just, I pop up. I find the nearest, you know, alleyway to go out onto the, from the concourse to the arena, walk in there, and... You know, here comes all the players skating on the ice. Uh, Jonathan Taves comes out with the cup, you know, lifting the cup right over his head kind of thing, skates over, puts it on the table. It, it gave me chills. It really did, you know, just to see the cup and see the, the whole crowd's going bananas. The United Center was just up for grabs, cheering, yelling, screaming. Then they slide over and they raise the banner up to the rafters, and that was a blast too. So a perk of a job is to be in the right spot at the right time. So it, you know, being a fan growing up and then having my job letting me in to watch the ceremony was that's it's definitely a perk. Oh yeah, and I imagine the uh, the well known Chicago anthem was probably crazy that night. Oh yeah, it was definitely loud. I didn't get to stay for the whole thing, but I stayed for the start, and then I had to hustle back downstairs. But just to hear it and the Chicago anthem, as you know, they just yell during the whole thing. They're cheering and not to be disrespectful, but they're just excited. And that's just tradition. The old Chicago stadium was the same way. And so just to hear that and kind of look around, take it all in. And then I'm like, okay, I got to go. And then 
hustle back to work and then you're like oh no i gotta go back to work i want to stay inside you gotta go sit in the keyboard in a windowless truck downstairs well hey it's one of the perks of the gig right you got to you still Mm -hmm. got to experience it so i know for myself i've experienced the vancouver national anthem the entire crowd sings the second verse it's pretty amazing in chicago it's loud it's 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 a wonderful tradition i I love when uh, the fans come up with something unique like that uh, yeah, I would love to experience the the Canadian one where, yeah, the crowd just picks up the anthem and takes it. That would be awesome. Yeah, it is pretty amazing. So fast forward to 2014 and college football is coming to all of our sets. Fox gets college football. Everyone's expanding. It was my first game was at Baylor in Waco, Texas, and we got poured on. I mean, we showed up at 6 a.m. for the first set day and it rained until 8.30. So we literally just sat under the tongue, drenched. I mean, we just, there was nothing you could do. What are you going to do? You just got to hunker down and we got all our gear in place and it eventually dried out and the game was pretty good. You guys got the game the next week. Uh, right. You had the same, similar challenges we had. We did. Yeah. It, uh, we didn't have rain. I remember that. Um, but all of a sudden we had generators because the power hookups that are right next to where the trucks park, you guys had problems with them the first week. So then they decided, okay, we're going to bring in a generator and a backup, make sure we don't have any issues. We'll connect to those. No problem. Well, turns out the guy who was in charge of the generators was trying to do something and match the main to the backup. And about the middle of the second quarter, boom, the truck goes dark and You've been in a truck. There are no windows usually, or if you do, it's like a one foot square and it was black. So somebody, I think it might've been me cause I might've been by the door, um, open the door let some light in. And we're trying to figure out what happened because we can still hear the game. So the game's still going on. The stadium didn't lose power. Um, our producers on the phone to the talent upstairs to say, Hey, what's going on? Did you guys lose power game still going on? And then uh, they end up calling in to the QKT number to do basically a radio version of the game for the talent while we're trying to get the truck back on the air. And the truck doesn't come back up until about the middle of the third quarter. So we get halfway through the second, it goes down, miss all the halftime, miss the first half or so of the third quarter. And I know they were trying to figure out if they could plug into the, uh, the short, what we call shore power, and they couldn't find it because the fuses tripped and nobody knew who had the keys to unlock the box that you could trip the fuses back. Oh so, yeah. because it was, they were all busy with the football games, so they weren't too worried, right. you know. We were trying to find an electrician or somebody to open up the box and flip it back. And yeah, it was it was a mess. But we eventually got back on the air and finished the game. But yeah, missed a good chunk of the middle of the game. Well, those kind of things happen in the business. I mean, it's shore power can be interesting. Generator can be interesting. I've been on a show where a generator died and you, you always know because it seems like it rolls through the truck. Like it's not like everything goes dark. You kind of see equipment start shutting off in sequence. You're like, oh boy, here we go. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I've been in another truck where they're like, uh, guys, I think we have an issue and you kind of see it dim and then blah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We had one of those in a spring training game a while back where uh, the truck would was pulsing. So you could see the lights flicker and then like an EVS shut off and then tried to reboot and stuff. Like, and finally it all dies. We go outside and there is a thick column of black smoke coming out no. of the generator. It was like, oh, unplug everything. Let's get a new generator. And I think we missed five innings of baseball on that day. So, Well, at least it was spring training. So 
Yeah, well, we were playing the Dodgers, and the Dodgers got to watch uh, Suns Insider. They were doing a, that was our Phil programming, was a Suns show to L.A. It was pretty awesome, so yeah. <laughs> it's fitting. So another uh, not-so-perfect day, but we've all had these early directing career. You've just started doing some directing, and mm-hmm. I know for myself, there's it's a whole different nervousness because everything that could go, like as an EVS op or TDing or whatever, you're worried about your one little area. But when you're directing, now you got to worry about every little area. And so when things aren't quite going perfect, it makes for an interesting open to the show and some interesting nerves. It does. Yeah. Um, a little, a basketball game, college basketball, women's Marquette game, uh, uh, early March. And, uh, we show up call times, eight o'clock show up to the truck and they're still taking bins off the back of the truck, but it's not a full truck. It's what we call the horse trailer. So it's a smaller version for smaller productions and, I look in there, they're taking bins out and there it is tight. I mean, I'm thinking, okay, producer, director, TD, uh, replay. Maybe I can see audio in the back and maybe a chair for graphics. Sure. And probably a video in there somewhere too. I'm like, okay, we're going to be, we're going to be cozy right on top of each other. And we find out that it's the, uh, what is it? The new tech three play is the replay machine. And she's like, Hey, I can't start a session until I get all my footage uploaded because if I start a new session after that, it'll erase the footage. <laughs> like, okay, that doesn't make that sense. Doesn't seem all right. Real, yeah. No, I'm like it's a bad system, but it'll work. Uh, okay. Let us download a few more elements like front ends or that kind of thing. And then there was a melt that we're like, Oh, we'll just download that. Well, the internet was super slow at the college and we couldn't figure out why. So we had to go basically sit inside the arena, have the SID come log us into their network so we could download the melt. Oh my God. It was still slower, but it was faster than what was out in the truck. So then we downloaded it to the computer, put it on a drive, took it back out, and we finally got things uploaded into the replay. And then that took forever. And then we're getting ready to start the show. And she's like, well, I hope the open's finished. We're just like, what? <laughs> She's like, I think it is. It says it is, but I'm not sure. I'm like, okay, here we go. Oh, yes. I've had those moments where you're back in tape and they say, so is it good? I'm like, <clears throat> I guess we'll all find out together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're about to find out. We're all yeah. going to find out together. Oh, my gosh. So, honestly, I... I think part of me enjoys those moments more. I guess part of what's fun about this business, I can count on one hand the number of perfect shows I've done. And Mm -hmm. while most people at home don't know, there's a lot of those moments that you just enjoy because you can tell those stories later and just, you know, just laugh at what we go through every single day. Yeah, it's like, well, nobody at home knows, but the craziness behind the scenes. And that's one of the things I used to love directing newscasts was I loved the election nights or the breaking news days because it was like, all right, what are we doing? Let's figure it out as we go. So I think that's why I kind of want to get back into directing with sports is kind of see how things go and kind of figure out as we go. It's the thing I love the most about live television, especially live sports, is you can plan all you want. It really doesn't matter because as soon as the game starts, a lot of times it just goes out the window and you're just following the puck, you're chasing the baseball. You know, best laid plans seem to get blown all to pieces a lot of times by the way the game goes. Right. And yeah, I was fortunate to do a couple innings of baseball two years ago. And yeah, it was it was moving quick. And I'm like, whoa. And just by what where the baseball can go, situations, who's on base, who's coming up. And yeah, it it's definitely 
it made me realize why it's the hardest one to direct because even those two innings was just whew, okay that was fun but holy smokes that was tough well, I think it's the thing that's deceptive for people at home who don't know is like bowling is probably one of the hardest sports I've ever done as an EVS operator. I mean, it just flies and sitting at home, it doesn't seem like it's a very quick sport, but volleyball, bowling, baseball, they're probably the hardest sports to do because the side out happens so quick in baseball. Like you said, there's 6,000 outcomes when the ball is hit. So you, yeah. I mean, you can't go through all those scenarios in your head with runners and everything. It's just, it's probably the thing I love the most about live sports television is the chaos is the, you know, flying yeah. by the seat of your pants. Yeah. Organized chaos is I've used that a ton of times to describe it. All right, so I'm going to finish on your favorite moment in 2019. You got the pleasure of doing a sport that many in the States aren't as familiar with, but I can tell you every time I go to Canada, all you see on TV is curling everywhere. It doesn't matter. There's always some curling tournament going on somewhere. I've lost some of my best TDs on a regional show because they're off doing a two-week curling tournament. So you got to do curling in Denmark in 2019. What was that like for you? I did. I basically stumbled onto it earlier in December of 2018. the coordinator for the Toronto Raptors passed my name along to a guy in Vancouver looking for a graphics operator. And basically he was like, Hey, he's in the States. Does he have to be Canadian? No. Well, he's in the States and he's a curler. So I curl at the local curling club here in Milwaukee, um, Wauwatosa curling club, just actually out by Miller park. And so I've been involved in the sport, but I've never got to cover it with TV. And so now they kind of merged together, which was fantastic. So I, I filled in for like four days in Omaha and then they're like, Hey, it was great having you. Thanks for filling in. You know, hopefully we'll get to work with you sometime time to, sometime down the line. And then early March, they call me up. Hey, are you free to go to Denmark in two weeks? I'm like, <laughs> wait, um, what? <laughs> wait, wh- huh? They're like, yeah, the women's world championships are in Denmark. Our guy can't go. He broke his leg. He can't travel. So we need, they have uh, three guys. One of them can't go. We need another guy to fill in. Okay, how long is it? Oh, it's about 10 or 11 days. Um, yeah, and I have um, the beginning of baseball coming up at the end of March. I've got buck season wrapping up. So I'm like, okay, let me move some things around and see if I can swap out. Turns out that I was able to, and I ended up going to Denmark for two weeks, um, almost two weeks. and basically covering curling, which was a blast, um, basically a sport that I watch normally here in the States. So I'd be watching the women's worlds on my computer, but now I'm actually going to do it and getting paid for it. So it was great. Um, it was a little different. It's super easy. It's basically a world feed. So basically I sat back and was like, wait, I don't have to come up with like player stats or a full screen bio about somebody and looking into past stories. And it was just, you cover the sport and that's it which was kind of refreshing. Um, but it was a blast to combine my love for curling and my career in television sports and put those together. And, and this year I was supposed to go back and do worlds again, um, in Prince George, British Columbia, and also over in Glasgow, Scotland, but those were canceled because of the situation we find ourselves in now. But yeah, so hopefully it'll continue into the future, but it was kind of, I stumbled into it and absolutely love it. That's so much fun. I, uh, it's always great to be able to do your your favorite sport. Like I grew up loving baseball. So the first time I got to sit in the chair and direct a game, it was like, 
okay, this is amazing. And then the Paul Wall was pitched. I was like, oh my God, what did I get myself into? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, but yeah, so congratulations uh, on all your success. It's fun, uh, fun to see you in the director's chair as well. I know I've gotten a chance to work with you some. You filled in with us with Diamondbacks. And, yeah, um, we yeah, we had a great time. Uh, stay safe during this time. Hopefully we'll be doing sports again soon. Uh, I mean, who knows? Who knows when it'll start, but yeah. Thanks for having me on, and yeah, it was a, it's a blast, and I'm sure we'll catch up down the road at some stadium somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's that's part of uh, the biggest reason I want to get back to sport is I want to see everybody not through a Zoom meeting. So. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, catch up in person. Exactly. Have a great day. Thank you for coming on the show. You bet. Thanks for having me. To watch past episodes or for more information on today's show, visit BehindTheCamerapodcast.com, and we'll see you next time. Yeah.